Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistown, Missouri. Please stand by. Our service will begin shortly. stand by. Our service will begin shortly. stand by. Our service will begin shortly.
Good morning, and welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Frystep, Missouri. I'm Nick Prater. It's my privilege to be your announcer on this Palm Sunday. Reverend Jake Sletton will deliver today's message. Assisting in the worship service is the organist, Mrs. Susan Sinegar, and the acolytes are Anna Krieger and Kai Brown. A radio broadcast for today is sponsored by funds donated to the radio ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church and, broad- and dedicated to the glory of God. These broadcasts are made possible by donations to the radio ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church. Please contact the church office for how you can help. Hey everyone, welcome to worship this morning on this Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, it is a joy to be here with you today, to be in God's house, to worship Him, to receive His gifts of word and sacrament. Let's stand this morning and greet each other in the name of the Lord. And members, if you see somebody that you don't recognize... Please go say hi and welcome them today. And so as you are taking your seats, we'll continue with the announcements that we have for this morning. First of all, as I mentioned, today is the beginning of Holy Week, and so uh, we have Maundy or Holy Thursday and Good Friday services this week, as well as Easter morning. Uh, Maundy Thursday service is here at 7 p.m., that is a communion service. Good Friday is the following day at 7 p.m. also, that it will follow the order of Tenebrae. And uh, we uh, very much invite all of you to join us for those two days, as well as, of of course, for Easter Sunday. Uh, The sunrise service is at 6.30 here, and then the regular 10 o'clock service is at 10 o'clock. There are no uh, no Sunday school or adult Bible classes on Easter Sunday. Uh, Instead, we, the, our um, Lutheran Youth Fellowship, our... High school youth will be serving us with pancakes that morning. I came last year. They are scrumptious. You want to make sure that you uh, attend uh, beginning at, uh, well, after the sunrise service, which should be about 7.30 a.m. or so. Uh, Let's see. We have several announcements. Uh, Next, on Easter Monday, so April the 2nd, the office will be closed, so please make note of that. Uh, and our Trinity Lutheran School Science Fair has been set up in the Fellowship Hall for anyone who would like to view the students' work today uh, after church. There are some really, well, they are all great. Um, There are some really great projects down there, so the Fellowship Hall will be open after church today if you'd like to go down there and see those. Next, uh, we are having Trinity at the Ballpark, April the 28th. It is for our Trinity 
Lutheran school. I think if we get enough people to buy tickets, the kids are going to sing the national anthem, right? Is that what it is? On the field. That's so cool. Okay? So um, that is April the 28th. If you would like to sign up for tickets, they are right outside uh, in the narthex there. And I have so many today that I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss any. And then finally, you'll notice that there is a new piano in the sanctuary. This uh, piano was donated to us by a very gracious lady in Pierce City. I do not remember her name, um, but uh, uh, we will be keeping it here, oh, for the next month or so to see um, how, we, how we like it and uh, how it sounds. It looks like they already have some music ready for us to play, uh, and so we are very, very thankful for that piano as well. Let's open our worship today with a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this beginning of Holy Week. And we thank you, Lord, uh, and we ask that you would help us, that you would help us to open our hearts and our minds to these words of your passion, Lord, as we either relearn or learn for the first time why you did what you did, why you came to this earth and you lived uh, among us and you died for us and you, and of course, Lord, you rose again for us. Lord, now we ask that you would give us a zeal this morning for your house of worship here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We open with our first hymn, the first three verses of number 442, All Glory, Laud, and Honor.
Please stand. We begin this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. O Almighty God, merciful Father, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given His only Son to die for us, and for His sake forgives us all of our sins. To those who believe on His name, He gives power to become the children of God and has promised them His Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors. Who is this King of Glory? Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors. Who is this King of Glory? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be for me, world without end. Amen. Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross. Mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his great humility and patience and be made partakers of his resurrection. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading today comes from Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 12. It's the coming of Zion's king. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. 
righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. This is the word of our Lord. We continue with the gradual. Christ entered once for all into the holy places by means of his own blood. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant. He sent redemption to his people. school choir.
Thank you very much, children. That was awesome. Now is the time for all the young disciples who are not up here yet to come forward for the children's message this morning with Mrs. Menning. Now is a good time to bring up your mighty mites as well. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good. How many of you have ever been to a parade before? Some of you have been in a parade, right? This past Christmas, we had a float for our church and school, and we got to ride in a parade. When someone really important is coming to town, sometimes they have parades. What are things that we do for them when someone important is coming to town and we're having a parade? Let's say the St. Louis Cardinals won the World Series. And they're going to come to town and we're going to have a big parade for them. What are some things we would do? Harper? Okay, we might make some special floats for them. What are some other things we might do if someone special is coming to town? Say the World Series Cardinals. Logan? Okay, we're going to get to that in a minute. That's not normally something we would do right now. We would make big signs, right? We might have a police escort for them. What else, Grace? Ah, there might be candy and everyone would be cheering, right? Well, there was a very special parade more than 2,000 years ago on this day. And instead of throwing out candy and making floats and making signs, people used palm branches. And palm branches grew abundantly in the place where this special parade took place. And they were a symbol for victory, glory, and kingship. Does anyone know who this special parade was for, Sadie? It was for Jesus. He was coming to town, and everyone was really excited about it. And they filled the streets. Close your eyes. Imagine the streets completely full and crowded, and everyone is waving palm branches and throwing palm branches out on the street. And here comes our special guest in our parade, and it is Jesus, and he is riding on a small donkey, and his donkey is coming down the road, and everyone is absolutely thrilled. Wouldn't that be so exciting if you could see Jesus coming down the street? Would you run and go get some palm branches and throw them down? I would. Um, Today begins a very special week for us as Christians. And as, as we come together next Sunday, we are going to celebrate something very special, which is what? Caitlin? Easter, that's right. Um, Today marks the time where people recognize Jesus as king. 
they will soon forget that as we go throughout the rest of this week. But on Sunday, next Easter Sunday, he raises from the dead and is our king and Lord forever and grants us salvation. And that is an awesome thing, right? Okay, let's all bow our heads and pray together. I'll pray and you repeat after me. Help me, Lord, to rejoice in your victory over death and the devil. Amen. All right, thank you. The epistle lesson today comes from Paul and Timothy's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of his servant, being made in human likeness. And found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of our Lord. Gospel according to St. John, the 12th chapter. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear. They will be put out of the synagogue, for they love praise from men more than praise from God. This is the gospel of our Lord.
verses 1 through 3 and verse 6. That's Lutheran Service Book 440. Would you all pray with me, please? Dear Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this morning from God our Father and through the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Amen. The text for this morning's meditation is the gospel lesson that was just read. You'll want to have that out because we will be looking at it as we go along here this morning. And the question that I have for all of us today is a very serious one, a very honest one. And before you sort of answer it in your head yourself, I want you to kind of take a moment before you do that. If you think back to your life and the difficult things that have happened, perhaps, at what point do you get to that your faith in God begins to falter? And at what point do you have to get to, or have you gotten to, that your faith in the Lord begins to wane? For you, what has been that point? For you, what is that point? Because I can assure you that all of us here in this room today, myself included, have that point. We all have that breaking point. Where our faith in God simply begins to lessen and to falter and to wane. Is it when He isn't giving you any answers? Is it when you feel as though there is no relief from whatever it is that you are going through, is it when you feel that there is no relief that either is coming or that has been coming? Or perhaps you have found yourself asking God this question or something like it, yeah, I know what you've done for me in the past, but I, I want to know about now. What have you done for me lately? C.S. Lewis talked about this in one of his books. He says this, You never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. It's easy to say that you believe a rope to be strong as you are simply using it to tie a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a precipice. Wouldn't you then discover how much you really trusted the rope? And so the question for all of us here this morning is, do we trust God only when we are convinced that He will help us? Do we trust God only when we are convinced that He can? Do we trust God only when we feel comfortable enough to trust him. In our text for this morning, the Jews, we are told from John, the Jews actually had seen everything that they needed to see in order to believe that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the Son of God, and that by believing, they may have life in his name. I went back through those previous chapters, and these are all of the miracles that John records. And then, by the way, he gets towards the end of his gospel, he says something similar. He says, all of these things have been written so that you may believe. Jesus has done, or had done, many other miraculous signs that are not recorded in this book, in John's gospel specifically, but all of these things are written so that you may believe. 
Here are the miracles that Jesus has performed before our text this morning. He has changed water to wine. He has healed a father's son. He has healed a person who was a paralytic. He has fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. He has healed a man who was born blind. And he has raised one of his dearest friends, Lazarus, from death to life. And still, John says, their hearts were hardened. They would not believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. They would still not believe, even after they had seen all of these miracles and all of these signs. They ask him, why don't you just tell us plainly? If you're the Christ, tell us. If you're the Messiah, then just, then just tell us. And you could almost hear Jesus' thoughts going, are you kidding me? Water to wine, I have healed a person who was born blind, fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread only and two fish. Sometimes that's not enough to feed my own two children. Raised his friend back to life, and yet they have the gall and the audacity to say, well, if you're the Christ, tell us. Still, their hearts were hardened. Still, the Jews continue with their unbelief. But before we come down too hard on the Jews for not believing, we're going to follow Jesus' advice, and we're going to take the plank out of our own eye before we can look at the speck in our brother's eye. Because while we may not, and perhaps we do, and if we do, then we need to pray more, but if perhaps we're not ardent disbelievers like the Jews were, But you and I have many different ways for which we disbelieve that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, and that that by believing you may have life in his name. It takes other forms for us. I have four ways, but there are several more. The first way that I have is that we, whenever we pray, we do so half-heartedly. When we pray, we sometimes think, yeah, God is going to answer this. And sometimes we think, well, yeah, God probably won't answer this. Or perhaps even worse, that God simply doesn't want to answer my prayer. And so our prayers become sort of half-hearted prayers. We are praying even though we don't really know why. And so why do we do this? Why do we pray half-heartedly? When you or somebody that you love has an incurable disease such as cancer, why not pray for the miracle? Why not? Why do we do this? Why do we pray half-heartedly when we have absolutely no reason to? God is the one who has commanded you to pray. That's what Luther says. God is the one who has commanded you to pray. Therefore, will he not answer your prayer? Will he not listen? Why do we pray half-heartedly? 
He wants us to pray for the hard stuff. He wants you and I to pray for the miracles just as much as He wants us to pray for the small stuff. He wants us to pray for that thing which we think cannot be done. This is what Luther says on this point. Imagine that a very rich and mighty king who bade a poor beggar to ask for whatever he might desire. And this king was prepared to give great and princely gifts. And the fool asked only for a dish of beggar's broth. He goes on, just so it is a, just so it is a great reproach and dishonor to God if we, to whom he offers and pledges so many inexpressible blessings, despise them or lack the confidence that we shall receive them and scarcely venture to ask for a morsel of bread. Don't be afraid to pray for the big thing. Don't be afraid to pray for the miracle. Your Lord has commanded you to do it. He will hear you. He does hear you. Does it mean that the prayer will necessarily be answered with a yes, no? And we all know that. But that's another thing that Satan uses, is that he uses the, the prayers that we pray for, the ones that were answered no, and then he turns that around and makes us think that God doesn't love us, that he, he doesn't care, and that he won't do it. And so what happens then? Well, then we stop praying. But God has commanded you to pray. He has commanded you to pray for the big things as well as the small things. The second way for which we disbelieve is that we don't take sin seriously. Let me say that again. We don't take sin seriously. I want you to think about in your own life, what is the sin or the sins that you commit that you think that God sort of just doesn't care about, that he sort of turns a blind eye to? Yeah, I know that, that, I, that I do this, but it's really not that big of a deal. Or yeah, I know that I can sometimes fall into this sin, but it's really not that big of a deal. And so the cycle continues and you just keep doing it over and over and over and over again. How seriously do you take sin? How seriously do you take your sin? If you have any questions or are wondering how seriously that God takes sin, I encourage you to be here on Friday night at 7 o'clock because you will learn that. You will learn how seriously that God takes sin. Because He put His Son on the cross to be crucified for it. The third way we think, just like the world does, that there are many paths to heaven, other religions, or perhaps the fact that they are a good person, and we just don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. The world wants to teach you and wants to tell you and puts it 
everywhere, in the media, in the people that you speak with, in the, in the papers, everywhere. The world wants you to think that there is more than one way to heaven. That if somebody is a really, really good person, that, well, they too will probably be saved, even if they do not believe in Jesus. Watch out for what you're watching. Be careful for what you're reading. Be cautious for what you listen to. Because before you know it, you will find yourself having these thoughts of, well, maybe it's not so bad. And maybe the way that the world thinks, well, maybe there's, maybe there's something to it, and maybe there's some kind of merit to it. And we are afraid that if we tell others and confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord and that there is only one way to salvation that will hurt somebody's feelings. Now, don't misunderstand me. Please do not go on to your Facebook page and print something and post something that is against the Eighth Commandment. Please don't do that. There's a difference between telling the truth and being a jerk and a difference between speaking the truth in love. But always, always, always speak the truth. There is one way to salvation, and one way only, and his name is Jesus. And that by believing in him, as John says, we may have life in his name. And the last way, at least the last way that I have, that we disbelieve, we flat out think that God, that we're doomed, and God doesn't care, and that he's just sort of up there, and he doesn't really care about what's happening down here. That there's no hope for us. And that God doesn't care really whether we live or whether we die. It's so easy to fall into disbelief. And these are just four ways that, that I thought of. There are a host of other ways for which you and I disbelieve in God, that we disbelieve in His Messiah, that our faith wanes and it falters and it slips and we eventually fall. It's so easy to fall into this disbelief. And you know what? Satan likes it like that. He wants you to disbelieve. I've said this a million times, but I'm going to say it until I die. Folks, he never sleeps. He never stops. He will use anything and does use anything to get you to fall away from Christ, to get you to fall away from him. He can even take something that is seemingly good and use it to his advantage. He will never sleep and he will never stop until Jesus returns. Even though we have seen God's work in our own lives, even though that we have reason, that we have absolutely no reason to doubt, we still disbelieve. There's a wonderful story in Mark's Gospel. It's in chapter 9, and Jesus has come upon 
this father and his son, and this son has an evil spirit within him. Now, I want you to imagine that one of your, if you have children, or even if you don't, if you have a niece or a nephew, somebody, a young child that you love is possessed by an evil spirit. And this child is, is frothing at the mouth. The spirit causes him to, be, to throw himself down on the ground. And you look at this child, and that's not the person that I know. That's not my child. That's not my niece, and that's not my nephew. That's what this father is going through. And Jesus comes up to him, and the father pleads with Jesus, please, if you can do anything, he says, please help my son. And I love Jesus' response, and I'm going to read it verbatim because, well, he does it a lot better than I, than I could. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? The, and the father says, from childhood. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father ex- immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me to overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse, they thought he was dead, that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. What a week, this holy week, for this text to come before us. The week in which we either relearn or learn for the first time what the last week on earth for Jesus looked like. And what a week for us to be strengthened in our faith. That you and I have absolutely no need to pray half-heartedly. That you and I have absolutely no need to pray in such a way that we don't really think that what we pray for will be done. Just like the Father did. If you can do anything. He doesn't, he kind of believes. He has a little bit of faith, but he's not sure if Jesus will actually heal his son. Because imagine everything that, that he's seen. That the Spirit has tried to throw his son into the fire or water to kill him. You and I would sort of have a little bit of waning faith too. If we saw that. We have no need to pray half-heartedly. That we would take sin seriously. The big sins... And the little sins. And by the way, there's no such thing as a big sin or a little sin. They're all the same. That we would take it seriously. And by taking it seriously, that we would consider the cost for which God paid for our sin. That he sent his own son to be crucified 
a death that was reserved only for the worst criminals to be crucified on a cross, nails put into his hands and to his feet, and to hang there naked and to die. That's how seriously that he takes sin. That's how seriously that he took your sin and my sin. That's how seriously that he takes your life and your future and your eternal life with him. That this week would strengthen our faith to believe and confess that there is only one way to heaven and to have the courage in love, to have the courage to confess that and to believe that and to tell others, no, I don't think you're right. There is only one way to heaven. Just in the same way that he had courage to pick up his own cross after he had been beaten and bloodied and mangled, he picked up his own cross and carried it on top of a mountain. And the courage that he had to do that for you and for me. That our faith would be strengthened this week to know what our faith believes, that we are not doomed, that God does care. And we know this because he gives us his spilt blood and his broken body, which is the key to your tomb and mine and the graves of all who are behind this church and the graves of all who have died in the faith to burst open on the last day and to walk out and to live in eternity with Him forever. May our prayer this week be the same prayer that the Father spoke to Jesus that day. Lord, we do believe. Help us to overcome our unbelief. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. We now confess together the words of our Christian faith, and we do so using the Nicene Creed as it is found printed in the back cover of your hymnal. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, by the
the life of the world to come. Please be seated. At this time, we collect our tithes and offerings. Now is a good time to, for all of you, whether you are a guest or a member with us today, to fill out the red sign-in book. Uh, those who receive it on the window sides, when you're done, please send it towards the aisle. The elders come, come around after worship to tear off the top sheets for, uh, in order to give to our office. With that, we collect our tithes and offerings. teaching, baptizing, and sharing of the love of Christ in our church, our community, and our world. For announcements, we can say that the Dorcas Ladies' Aid will meet April 5th at 1.30 in the Fellowship Hall. A representative of Lutheran Family Children's Service from Springfield will present the program. The LYF will be having a breakfast following the sunrise service Easter morning. Come and help support the youth. Trinity Lutheran School enrollment is open for the 2018-2019 year, school year. Kindergarten screening and early childhood enrollment will take place on April 6th. Early childhood classes are offered to children ages 3 and up by by August 15th. Kindergarten classes are offered to children ages 5 and up by August 1st. Contact the school office at 417-235-5931 to get signed up for the screening slash enrollment program. Early childhood classes are two days a week from 8.15 to 3.15. Kindergarten classes are five days per week.
We have a few folks that we want to remember. First of those in our health list for Melvin McCord, Nancy McRoberts, Ella Kleibaker, Flora Oberman, Landreth Worm, Ernest Shane, Janice Meyer, Myron Reed, Carol McIntyre, Orrin Fritz, Ethel Helmkamp, Dan and Joan Haynes, Addison Trokey, Steve Doss, Jeannie Stoltz, Becky Morgan, Wayne Towers, Lauren Barnes, Alan Mullen, who is the brother-in-law to Judy Lady, uh, Bob Dotson, who has lung cancer. He is a cousin to Carol Cly Baker, and also for Alice Helmkamp, who had wrist surgery this past week. We also give thanks to God that Bob Curdy and Clarence Nelson are both home from the hospital. Also, thanks to God uh, for Dana Robb, who has had 10 scans in the past two years, and they have all been clean. Also, for those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries, uh, for Clarence and Teresa Nelson, who will celebrate 36 years of marriage on March the 27th. And for Grace Doss, who will celebrate 87 years of life today. And for Bonnie Worm, who, will, who celebrates 80 years of life today as well. We go to our Lord in prayer. Lord, we confess to you that there are times when our faith wanes and falters, and we do not believe in you with our whole heart. Forgive us when those times come. We are bold to pray to you that you would renew us in our faith each and every day. For we know and believe that you are our true Father, and we are your true children. We believe, Lord. Help our unbelief. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, as your Son humbled himself for our salvation, give to each of us unwavering faith in Christ's passion for us, so that during this holy week and each day of our lives we may not fall to the assaults of Satan, but rather be comforted again by the promise of your wondrous love. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, give your shelter and guidance to all in leadership over us, and to all who make, administer, and judge our laws, so that every life is safe. Lord, in your mercy. Dear Lord, we pray for all who are suffering, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally. Especially, Lord, for those who are on our health list. Lord, we also give you thanks that Bob and Clarence are now back home. Lord, we, uh, we pray especially for Alan and for Bob uh, and for Alice. And Lord, we pray for all of those who are suffering that we name before you in our hearts now. Help them, heal them, Lord. Comfort them and encourage them in the way that you know to be best. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of the church, during this holy week, you call your people from around the world to follow you through your passion, death, and resurrection. Bless the services of all those who provide special music during this week, who read your holy word in the assembly, who proclaim your suffering, death, and resurrection, that your flock would be fed and your glory revealed. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we especially give you thanks for all those who are celebrating birthdays and anniversaries this week. 
especially for Clarence and Teresa upon celebrating their 36th anniversary. We pray to you that by your Spirit you would enable them to remain faithful to each other and to the vows that they have made. Uplift them in their love for one another and especially their love for you. Also we, also we pray, Lord, for Grace and Bonnie who have birthdays today. Thank you, Lord, for sustaining them in this life to this day. And we pray that your face would shine upon them each and every day of this next year. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, on the night before he went to the cross, your Son gave us the gift of his Holy Supper. Show us our sin, give us repentant hearts, and assure us that our, that our King has made himself a servant for us, so that in faith we sing our hosannas to him who comes to us in the name of the Lord, and gratefully receive his body and blood, which give us life. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so, people of God, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord, our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who overcame the assault of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many, that with cleansed hearts we might be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Lord's Supper is God's gift for Christians who are properly taught. In communion, we want people to receive Christ's body and blood for their good. This means that as you come to the Lord's table, 
You affirm with each communicant that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and with Lutheran Christians, you confess. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament, and none of the former bread and water. I receive his body and blood, the forgiveness of my sin, and the strength of my faith. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also we took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Please stand. And now may this, our Savior's body and blood, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith until life that is everlasting, to part in his peace and his joy. Amen. give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy that you would strengthen us through the same, in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord be with you. Blessed be the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. service and invite you to worship with us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by means of this broadcast on www.christacradio.com. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things.
Again, a very, word, a very special word of welcome to all of our guests and visitors today. We're very glad that you're here to worship with us. Thank you, children and teachers, for getting, the, for getting them ready to sing for us. Their song was wonderful. Uh, again, just a reminder for this week, Monday Thursday, th- Monday Thursday service is this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. Good Friday is at 7 p.m. as well. And then Easter morning, uh, sunrise service is at 6.30 and there is the breakfast, pancake breakfast, with the youth afterwards at about 7.30 or so, and then our Easter morning worship will be at 10 o'clock. I pray that you all have a very, very blessed and special Holy Week. Mm -hmm. 